0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit MyARCF.com.
1: There's a tragedy that occurs in our world, all the time actually, called marriage. Yes, Renault hit the nail on the head. It is a train wreck where feelings overcome, vows and rings are exchanged, and then, when, does a, when is a marriage legal, right? When the pictures go on Facebook, so it's now legally binding. Um, and we're with this person that we love, and no one, this, this doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to some, no one hands us a book on marriage, no one hands us an instruction manual. No one says, hey, there's this conference this fall called Family Life Weekend to remember, and I'm buying you two tickets. Some of us are really, really blessed. Some of, I'll, I'll raise my hand and I'll tell stories of the resources of older saints that just said, hey, Emily, you're great, but Greg, you're a mess. So here are some resources. A couple of books in particular... I felt, anybody ever read a book and go, where was this book 10 years ago? Where was this book 30 years ago? Where was it? Right? Sometimes it's in the scriptures. You're like, I know I've read this before, but I feel like I needed this a long time ago. And here it is. (coughs) Excuse me. And the train wreck that's occurring is that in marriage, we are entering into the single most crucial human relationship, the strongest human covenant. That human beings can participate in and not necessarily feel like we have a manual if there was a manual then i could know what is a husband what is a wife what is a marriage that, that sounds silly but man let somebody get married let them get some good old knock down drag out fights they've been married for a year maybe two years and you realize that the two have different definitions of the word husband, or the word wife, or of the word marriage, or what's your job? I don't know. Well, I thought that was your job, <laughs> right? Who would have thought that a dishwasher could have been the source of so many fights? But all over the world, <laughs> wherever there are dishwashers, there are marital fights, okay? This lack of clarity over who does what, what's your job, what's my job, Unfortunately, is not just bound to marriage. This also happens in the flock of God, the church. We don't know what a shepherd is sometimes. We don't know what it is to be a sheep. We sometimes look at the shepherds leading and go, "Well, aren't you just a sheep too?" Like Jesus is the chief shepherd, and you pull out your Bible verse and you whack the elders with your Bible verse, and you're right. All of these things need some clarity. Um, In the 20th century this is just my opinion but we've definitely as elders talked about it for a couple years now in our Bible study I'm personally concerned that the American church has built our leadership structures more like corporations (laughs) instead of what God has said. The California Secretary of State's office wants to see a few officers, wants to know who are we going after, if there's a lawsuit. like There are a couple of basic things that they want. God demands a lot more. His demands are much higher. And when God raises the bar, whether it's in a marriage or inside a church family, when he raises the standards, everybody receives blessing. Anybody here? You're... 20-year-old daughter brings a guy home from college and you're just kind of nonchalant? Yeah, I'm sure sure he's good. Or are you keenly interested and you're going to grill this guy? Nobody is good enough for your baby. Okay? My baby girls are 12 and 15 months and I just already know there's no man that will ever be good enough. I can kind of feel it. Try harder, punk. I, I can feel it already. So I want to submit to you that we as a church family, ARCF, about to become foundation, I want to bring the whole family into a conversation that's been going on for two years amongst the elders. We've been studying the word saying Lord who are we and what are we? Not what does the state demand on paper, not what is best business practices, but what does the word tell us we are? How are we supposed to be loving and serving the flock? And how does the the flock supposed to respond? Um, The Parallels to marriage are countless because trust can be terrifying. Can I get an amen? Right? Particularly if trust has been broken. If a woman has been cheated on before uh, by her husband, how much hard work is there to make it work? Um, Some of us have been in churches where someone with the title pastor took money that they weren't supposed to take, slept with somebody they weren't supposed to sleep with, or you've always been had the blessing of being in a healthy church but you've seen it on the news your entire life if somebody has a big church and they do something bad it's national news and it does something to tear away trust to chip 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 away right And it just feels more and more like the world's way of doing leadership. None of us is shocked when we find out a member of Congress had a slush fund on the side. None of us is shocked by that. We have such a pessimistic view of leadership because apart from Christ, we all do what? Jesus said, they lord it over one another. That's Jesus' description of human leadership. And we come to a place where, like anything that God has commanded, he commands something that's going to be so good for us, but our trustometer has just kind of been worn down and broken. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little too cynical uh, for that. So, the next six weeks or so, we're going to do a series called "Shepherds and Sheep." There is so much going on in the Scripture when Jesus, God uses and Jesus, Paul, James use the illustration of shepherds and sheep hopefully you've been told before bless you you've been told before that to be called a sheep is no compliment right okay we're all sheep that's the bad news and uh, today though we're going to look at one particular blessing one particular dynamic of this illustration and of God's commands and here's it in a sentence Elders, feed us God's word. Elders, feed us God's word. That's it. And that's the title of the sermon today. So let me show you real quick, so you understand some of the terminology we're going to be using for the next six weeks. What our brother Peter... You could argue pretty easily from the texts and acts that Peter is essentially the first lead pastor, not named to Jesus because Jesus hands leadership of the 12 off to him. He says this, and now a word to you, the senior pastor in the church. Did I read it right? Senior pastor, right? There's one pastor of a church. I know that because it's always been that way, thank you. Second Hesitations 4-4, we've always done it that way. Call me a liar. How rare is it, genuinely? Huh. A word to you, so so trivia question, is the you singular or plural? It's got to be plural. Who are elders in the churches, multiple churches, this letter's going around. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Can I just take a moment to tell you how unbelievably humble that is? This guy walked on water and he... He's he's comfortable exercising authority. He's, He's writing the letter and he's preaching with authority in the letter. He says, hey, I'm just one of the shepherds like you. But don't forget, I saw this with my own eyes. So I'm testifying from a position of strength. I witnessed the sufferings of Christ. I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Man, he's nicer than Paul. Paul, he'll just say command, or he'll say it passive-aggressive. I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Who was just commanded? Who was, who was appealed to, to care for the flock of God? Elders. Elders, plural. And what illustration is Peter using? Shepherds and sheep. Okay? In case you haven't, aren't aware, brushed up on your Greek, or you got an ag degree. Pastoral literally means about tending and caring for animals. A pastor and a shepherd is the same thing, okay? Same thing, which is why the New Testament uses them interchangeably. Watch over that flock willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. Exact phrase Jesus used about the world's leadership, right? You don't do leadership the way the world does it. But lead the flock by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appeared. Why do you think the translators felt the need to capitalize the G and the S? The translators must feel like Peter is being pretty direct here. So let's translate this. Oh, you think you're a shepherd. Let me tell you about the shepherd of shepherds. Right? The second return of Christ is not just the one who saved us and will save us from every dark thing. It, he is also the shepherd of shepherds. Those of us who shepherd right now are and always will be held accountable to the great shepherd. You, the shepherds who are taking care of the flock willingly and not begrudgingly, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Cool. Wow. Now, I don't have any fill in the blanks for you from that, but I'm just, I wanted us to read through that to get some language, get some common language. Interesting. Not begrudgingly, willingly. Here's your first blank. Shepherds are responsible for ensuring that the Bible is fed to the flock of God. Shepherds are responsible for ensuring that the Bible... Is fed to the flock of God. And remember, throughout the New Testament, they're going to use shepherd, elder, overseer, bishop. They're going to use these words interchangeably, the leaders of the church family. Turn with me in the hardback that you have to page 998. Everybody else, 1 Timothy 3. Page 998, or 1 Timothy 3. speaking to his spiritual son Timothy this is a trustworthy saying if someone aspires to be an elder he desires an honorable position so an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach he must be faithful to his wife he must exercise self-control live wisely and have a good reputation he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach he must not be a heavy drinker or be violent he must be gentle not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man can manage, cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he would, might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap." So, my sermon point was shepherds are responsible for ensuring that the Bible is fed to the flock of God. Where did you see that? That list had a lot of stuff in there. Taking the word of God, feeding it to the sheep. Where did you see that? Hmm? Oh, that's cheating. You were in the Bible study. The only difference in what Paul just said and what he's about to say in the next verses about deacons about both groups he says you have to be a person of character. That phrase able to teach is the primary difference. No, that does not mean that you're comfortable getting up here on a Sunday although it could mean that. What it means is is there any hesitation inside your spirit and off of your lips in knowing who Jesus is and what he's doing in the world. This is actually quite simple. Can you defend the basics of doctrine? We'll get into Titus 1 later. Not are you a well-trained apologist, not are you a silver-tongued orator, but do you know the gospel? When someone shows you clearly works-based theology from their religion, do you smell a rat and go, ooh, you're trying to earn your salvation. My heart hurts for you. I want to gently show you the true gospel. I'm not tempted to believe that in the least because you see, I was saved despite me. Right? Right. Able to teach. If you're going to take this inside the shepherding language, you'd say, you know how to look over the hill and you go, oh, fellas, the grass is green over there. Let's take the flock over that way. They have good food to eat. It's that simple. And how how much safety did you hear in that? There's a team of shepherds. It's not just one person that has to figure it all out. Let me prove it to you further. Flip over to page 910, if you're in the hardback that we passed out. Acts chapter 6 for everyone else. Acts chapter 6. This is just a few short weeks after Jesus ascends into heaven, sends his Holy Spirit into the church. And they're trying to figure out what does it look like now to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, not Jesus, the second person. Chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Because that never happens in church, right? Okay. Okay. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Oh, so ethnolinguistic tension isn't new. Huh. It's a good thing we read this book. Saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, that's capital T, the apostles, right? They were with Jesus. Called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time... What's it say? Teaching. teaching the word of God. Not running a food program. So they decided to not have the food program. The end. <laughs> Comrade, you're laughing at my sermon. That's so mean. You guys hurt my feelings. Guys, Bible teaching is really important. Clearly we can't do a food program for people that are hungry. Priorities, folks. <laughs> what did the 12 say? And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time dilly-dallying in meetings and handling budgets. No? Prayer and teaching the word. Okay? Most theologians will tell you, at a bare minimum, these are two gargantuan directives that tell us what elders are. If elders only do two things, they pray for the church, they pray with the church, they teach the church how to pray, and they are responsible for how the Bible is taught and that the Bible is taught, right? We don't don't get to skip books. We don't get to skip out on ideas that we don't like. We don't get to dodge issues that are politicized. Paul, in his tearful goodbye to the Ephesian elders, said, I didn't stop by giving you the whole counsel of God. I gave you everything. I didn't hold anything back. At minimum, if you're going to ask, what are the responsibilities of the elders? You'd say, this Bible teaching ministry and prayer ministry, at a minimum. And I'm going to argue from Ephesians 4, equipping the saints also is a big one right? So at minimum, elders have two responsibilities. And, and so we know the answer already. Are the elders allowed to hand off important ministry to others so that they can focus? Right? The whole body needs each other, and this is proving it. If you've got a good administrative eye, if you know how to go dig up resources, you, you might have a skill set that is perfect for a food ministry so that the elders don't have to run that particular ministry. Now, this comes up all the time and I just wanna nip this in the bud now. The elders are not the only leaders of the church, okay? They're just not. And I'm gonna make one quick proof and then move on. This isn't in the notes. Leadership is listed as a spiritual gift In 1 Corinthians,
2: okay?
1: Nowhere does it say that spiritual gift is only given to elders. It's just not. If you're going to run a ministry, for all we know, there are 300 widows getting fed every day. You might need a leadership gifting for that. (laughs) The elders might be thrilled to find somebody filled with the Holy Spirit who has a leadership gifting for something like that. Elders are not the only leaders. That's silly. That's like saying that a Christian husband, because he provides spiritual leadership over his home, that he's the only leader. Oh yeah? Ask Gabriel right now if, if Mama's the boss. There, if there are two leaders in the Kaiser household, and plus Jesus makes three, so we're going to call it good. And if you're this tall, the leader is just this person called not you. When you're this tall, it's just not you. Yeah, yeah. your big sister might be the leader. Mama's the leader. Daddy's the leader. Jesus is the leader. It's not you. Not you. So let's talk about this responsibility for ensuring that the Bible is fed to the flock of God. There was a man who was responsible for four days to take care of his wife's cat because she, the wife was going away on a business trip. And after a couple of days... Wife had been really busy, but she called her husband and said, hey, how are things going? Oh, things are going fine, but I'm sorry, um, your cat died. What? Yeah, no, the, the cat died. I'm really sorry. What? You can't just tell me bad news like that. Is there a way you could have said it better? Couldn't you have softened the blow a little bit? Honey, like, what you need to say is, sweetheart, the cat was up on the corner of the roof and then there, there was a big wind, and then just, and then, oh, she was holding on, and she dangled, and I tried to catch her, but at the last minute, she fell down, and, and I took her to the vet, but there was just, there was nothing the vet could do, and, and the cat died. That's what you have to say, honey. You have to, you have to let me down easy. Okay, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I understand what you're saying. My wife said, "Well, how's my mom doing?" Well, you see, honey, your mom was up on the corner of the roof. That is not a guy who's being particularly responsible. He's not stewarding. He's not shepherding particularly well. You made him a shepherd. Would the sheep get green grass? No, it'd be like, "Well, Lord, there see, there was a sheep up on the roof <laughs> on the corner of the roof. <laughs> that would not be good, not be good at all. Our third core value is serve God and others. Why am I bringing this up? I'm so glad you asked. Because as the elders shepherd the whole flock of God, the way that the rest of us can respond, I encourage you, this is my first encouragement toward you today, serve wholeheartedly and do it in important ministries to make sure the elders are focused on their calling. You know, when you're not sure what your ministry should be, You could go to the elders and say, hey, what's something important that is bogging you guys down right now? There might be something that the elders already know or have known for a year or more. We really shouldn't be involved in this, but there's nobody else to do it, and so it's falling to us right now. That happens all the time, right? All the time. The flock of God can be at our healthiest when we allow the elders to do their thing the ministry of word, the ministry of prayer, the equipping of the saints, if there's something else that's really good, it's really important, and I can devote myself to it, that's a great way to serve God and serve others. Your second blank. Shepherds feeding the sheep is rooted in loving Christ. You don't do it for yourself, unless you're codependent, you don't even do it for the sheep. Mm, One guy who knows what codependency is. I need to be needed. The sheep love me. They tell me how good my sermon is every week. It's awesome. Right? We do this all the time with our dog. (laughs) I have a dog because my dog thinks I'm amazing. I get home.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Here's what Jesus said. After the men's prayer breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, This is right after Jesus was raised from the dead. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. How many times can the word love be repeated in one conversation? And it's love toward who? It's not, Peter, do you love yourself? It's not Peter, do you love your co-labourers in the gospel? Although that's great. Do you love the flock? That's great, but that's not the conversation. The elders doing their very best to study, take into their soul, chew on, and carefully bring the word of God to you in Bible studies, in Sunday school classes, disciple groups, Sunday morning. That is done if it is done right because your elders love Jesus who entrusted the flock to us but Jesus the great shepherd I've got three Rhode Island Reds off the side of our house and I would say I have them for egg laying but there's not enough sunlight right now so we have them to stare at And a couple of times recently, without being asked, Cabrina's gone out to the chickens and made sure that they had food, made sure they had water, checked to see if there were any eggs. Cabrina doesn't love the chickens. She loves me. Your elders do love you they love each other. But when things get rough, I promise you, I promise you, in those deep down moments in a marriage where you've only stayed in the marriage out of your reverence for Christ, I promise you that the bedrock of your elders care for you is that they love Jesus. That's the bedrock. So here's my encouragement to the church family. Pray for and encourage the elders' passion for Jesus. Would you pray for your elders? Not some generic blessing. Pray, God, would you help them to love you more and more? Help them to love you more today than they did yesterday. God, would you please lead our elders today to spend time in the word by themselves? God would you please lead our elders today to be men of prayer. God would you please lead our elders today to repent of the things that are dishonoring your name. And as an aside, another great way that you can do this. I've never said this out loud before to you guys, but it's really important. When you're in a disciple group or a Bible study, where people are sharing openly and honestly. Allow your elder to be a Christian first and a shepherd second. Your elders are not Jesus. They have sin and they need a safe place to repent and to, right? James 5, confess sin one to another for the sake of healing. It disarms the enemy. When I get it out there and I let you know what I've done, the enemy can't sit there and just Speak into my soul. They're going to find you out. They're going to know you're a fake. They're going to know... No, 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 Be just as good a listener to your elders than you would to any other saint. And I know I'm mostly talking to the guys right now. Let your elders be sheep first. Because we are. We are sheep following the great shepherd. If we as elders are spiritually healthy, pray for our marriages. If our marriages are strong, pray for our parenting, those of us that still have kids in the home. If we are spiritually strong, the trajectory of our church family will be a good one. I could go to Ezekiel 34 right now. I don't want to, but I could really bum you out and show you what happens to the people of God when the shepherds are lazy and selfish. Bad stuff has happened in the history of the people of God when the shepherds decide this is all about me. So pray for and encourage your your elders in their chasing after Jesus, in their hungering and thirsting after righteousness, because I promise you it benefits you. It benefits you and it blesses you when your shepherds are passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, shepherds feed the sheep to protect them from false doctrine. Shepherds feed the sheep to protect the sheep from false doctrine. Titus one, everybody, page 1005, if you have the hardback. Titus chapter one or page 1005. We're going to a lot of texts today because these are important texts for what eldership is and I want you introduced to them. We're gonna be referring to them throughout the next few weeks. Titus chapter one. Starting at verse five. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint a senior pastor in each town as I instructed you. Only one chuckle. Man, I'm really not doing a good job. Is that what it says? Elders, plural, in each town as I instructed you. An elder must live a blameless life, he must be faithful to his wife. And his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. An elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught, then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. Any conflict avoiders in the room, just own it. Hands up. I'm, my hands up. My hands up. We didn't like that last part, did we? Didn't like that at all. Now he's going to riff for a second on how important this correcting people where they are wrong. He's going to make a big deal out of this. Go verse ten. For Like, why am I saying this? For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk. So they had Twitter back then also. And deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. So there was a group of people, it doesn't actually matter what brand it is, there was a group of people back then, just as there is now and there has always been, that keep insisting that salvation by grace alone can't possibly be enough. Surely I've got to do something good for Jesus to love me and save me. Eh. Right? That is how Satan works amongst religious people. Satan amongst pagans is like, here's another drink, she's pretty. But when Satan's going after church people, his favorite tool is, hey, you've read the Bible verses, you know how much you've done, there's no way that's enough. That cross, that was a big deal and that maybe covered 95% of your sins but surely you've got to like, chip in a little. Okay. So there was a group doing that. They, this group, must be silenced. Did he mince his words? Because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching and they do it only for money. Yikes. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. This is true, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. Oh man, I thought I was going to make people strong in the faith by like holding their hand and cuddling and we would do a little Bible memorization. and No? My people-pleaser doesn't like that verse either. Reprimand them sternly. What's reprimand? You tell somebody they're doing it wrong. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I don't like you. But you're doing it wrong. And there are going to be consequences. Don't do that. Don't do that. And that reprimand will make them strong in their faith if they respond to it. Right? Verse 14. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Yikes. And these are the types of people who are trying to teach truth to ARCF Foundation. And what what and who is going to stand between these types of people and the flock? Who does that? I don't mean to make you sound helpless, but the Bible does. When the Bible over and over calls us sheep, God is necessarily saying that we need shepherds. We need them. Especially if we're a baby Christian. You know how much a wolf would love to go after a tiny little sheep that doesn't know any better? And guys, this is we're not oxen. If we were oxen, we could circle up and have the cute little ones in the middle safe. You know, who cares about a 90-pound wolf when you're 800 pounds, right? We're not oxen, we're sheep. Everything about this metaphor is telling us we are going to need leadership, we are going to need protection. All of it. We're going to need leadership, we're going to need protection. And in the age of the internet, anybody all over the world can share their thoughts with you and with me about what they think is true or good or helpful. How do we know what's true? Well, the long-term answer is to keep listening to Greg's rants when he begs you to keep studying your Bible. But in the short term, like a cast on a broken arm, in the short term, just do what your elder says. Do what your elder says in the short term. Okay? especially if it's the whole body, if you get seven of them together and they all say the word definitely says this, that's, that's good scaffolding right there. You're working on something, you're building and waiting for the concrete to dry. You need some scaffolding in the short term. And this is why it is so critical that we make sure our, our elders are godly men because we're putting them forward as scaffolding. We're putting them forward as a cast and saying, look, the long-term answer is you study the word for yourself, but in the short term, here are the guys that we've got protecting doctrine for you in the short term, this is how we're gonna keep you safe. You right now are a little lamb that's 25 pounds and you're gonna mature and be less vulnerable later on, but in the meantime, okay? So, this is fast going away as the US dollar is more and more just existing on computers everywhere. But back in the day when I was a kid, there were these cool little rectangles that were green um I've always been told that bankers are trained not by being shown the latest counterfeits cuz the counterfeits are dime a dozen they change all the time right evil never never sleeps right always trying to come up with some new way to get over on somebody else bankers are trained by handling the real deal What does a real hundred actually feel like? Not the look, the feel. Because the paper is harder to fake than the ink. Your thumb is more likely to detect a fake than your eyes. So what am I telling you to do? What are the elders telling you to do? So glad you asked. Study your Bible. I know you didn't see that one coming. You're like, I'm coming to church today and if there's one thing I don't think they're going to say. Yeah, totally. There's this book I was reading once. It says you should meditate on it. If I had some really clever or powerful way to get across to the saints how critical Bible study is. (sighs) But you guys already know that the enemy of your souls is prowling the earth, looking for whoever has wandered off just a little bit. And we have to decide whether we believe the word of God or not. Is there somebody trying to destroy my soul or not? And the problem, the reason that we get cozy and comfy and don't feel like someone's prowling after our soul is because I don't feel like I'm being attacked when I'm in my lazy boy going from one show to the next. I feel like everything's fine. The whole armor of God... Is that on my radar? No, just the next episode. I'm defenseless. Where's that belt buckle? Where are the, where's the breastplate? Where's the helmet? Where's the sword? Where's the shield? No, 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 where's the remote? We are defenseless sometimes. We don't think we're in a war and that's why it doesn't feel like combat. Because you have the option, it's called free will, you have the option to pull out a sun chair on the deck of a battleship and your SPF 50 and start lathering it on. While bullets are flying and bombs are flying and planes are going overhead, you can do that. And as long as you are laying there working on your tan, I promise you, it's not gonna feel like the devil's eating you alive. It's not gonna feel that way. You're going to feel like I'm getting I'm getting rid of some of these lines, and eh, yeah, this is great. Study the Word of God, saints. Cherish the Word of God. God is the only one speaking truth into the cosmos. He's the only one, Amen. and He does it for our blessing, and He does it for our joy and he puts the elders here to care for you and say that is good grass and that is not trust me and they don't just make it up when we say this is good grass and that is not we're going to open this book and try to persuade you with everything we've got okay so ARCF Foundation what kind of flock are we going to be? It's my belief we're going to be at our strongest, at our healthiest, with elders who know their responsibility to teach us, who love Jesus enough to teach us, right? And elders who know what a wolf looks like. That's my contention for you at the start of this series. Our responses. Dive in and serve, especially if you see something distracting the elders away from their calling. Pray for the spiritual vitality of your elders. Pray for their marriages. Pray for their parenting. Study your Bible. We can put the word in front of you and do illustrations and make it cute. But you know what we cannot make the sheep do? eat. I cannot make you hungry, but I promise you this pulpit will always do its very best to make you hungry. I can't make you hungry, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to, I'm going to share one announcement and then we're going to watch an announcement video. Lord Jesus, I cannot tell you how grateful I am, how grateful our elders are to have a great and chief shepherd. God, we know our sins. We know our weaknesses and our failures. We know our folly. And God, it gives me, gives us so much comfort to know you love the flock way more than we ever could. So chief shepherd, we ask you for your leadership. We ask you for your lordship. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Lord Jesus, I ask you by your word and by the spirit giving us humility that you would redeem broken leadership inside this church. Because God, we all know what broken leadership is like. We've been that broken leader. We've suffered under that brokenness. And we have hurts and wounds and hangups and distrust because of it. And it's so clear, Jesus, for 2,000 years you've been saying, if you want to lead, strip down and wash feet. So God, would you please show us how to do that? God, would you make this church family, I think it already is, but even more so, God, would you make this a place where it is a joy to lead and it is a joy to follow because your word is protecting everything that's going on. God, I ask for blessing in this church family the next few weeks as we explore this relationship of shepherds and sheep. Give us soft hearts that are ready to receive the word, God, even in places where culture and experience have told us otherwise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for our elders. In the great name of Jesus Christ, we pray. God's people said. Amen. I'm going to share one announcement with you verbally real quick before we do the announcement video. It's more a last minute. Um, I want to give an update about Mexicali. Um, Pastor Charles, would you raise your hand just in case somebody doesn't know you? This is Pastor Charles. And I'm going to ask you to join Pastor Charles next Sunday after church. We're going to have an informational meeting right here in the office uh, for those that are interested in spending Holy Week with our sister church in Mexicali, strengthening them. Um, the elders had, I'll tell you a couple other things, but the elders had a clarifying conversation about what we were going to do with vaccination status, etc. We decided we're not asking anybody, we're already not doing it, we're not asking anybody to share their vaccination status. What, the way that most travel is working right now is that you get a negative test right before you go on a trip. And elders felt that that was reasonable, so that's what we're going to do. That way, you don't have to share what your personal convictions are. We don't have to fight each other over it, right? We don't do that. That's how the enemy wants us to operate. Um, So, as it relates to COVID stuff, we're going to just make sure you're healthy before you get on the bus, right? That's uh, nobody thinks it's wise to be unhealthy and get on the bus and cough on everybody all of that, so that's not wise. But those of you that are interested, we're going to spend um, basically eight days, we're going to be doing some kids ministry, possibly some construction, some personal evangelism, etc. It's going to be some really good stuff, and we're going to do a little missions training and a little Spanish language training as well uh, in the two months leading up to that trip. But all of the details are going to be at that meeting next Sunday right after worship. If you've got any questions that are just burning in your bosom and you can't possibly wait until next Sunday, you now know who Pastor Charles is if you didn't already know
0: him. And um, Let's watch the announcement video. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, church family. I certainly hope that each and every one of you have enjoyed your Christmas weekend. I don't have much for you today, but what I do have is important. Now, the last two weeks we've talked about signing up for disciple groups. And this will be your last verbal announcement for the coming winter groups. Now, over the past two weeks, you have seen testimonies from your fellow church family members, and I've got one more inspiring testimony for you. So in case you're still on the fence about joining a disciple group,
2: maybe this testimony will give you some inspiration. Disciple group for me was a very good opportunity because up to the point to it being unveiled at the church, I didn't have a social life, and I had nobody to confide In with the Lord and speak to about personal problems so when it was brought up to my attention by my mom I was immediately interested to go because there was a lot of people there that I wanted to see and get to know better and it ended up being everything I expected I got to talk to a lot of very experienced people including the pastor on a very personal level that I just didn't have before And um, it it really did mean a lot to me, it brought a lot of life back into my soul. I was waning and to be able to feel the love that Disciple Group brought to me in such an impactful way, in a way that I didn't expect possible initially, really did um, make me glow for the Lord. And I'm very thankful that um, ARCF Foundation hosted it for us, specifically Pastor Greg and uh, I could, I'm, I'm so much more of a better person for it. Um, learning about marriage from experienced people who are married, just things I didn't know before. And um, I'm just so glad I had, I have that experience now under my belt. And I've developed relationships that I plan on continuing to hold. Again,
0: hopefully this testimony has given you some inspiration to sign up for a disciple group. And of course, if you haven't signed up for a group yet, please make sure you head to the sign-up table in the back to sign up for one on your way out. All right, my only other announcement for you is that this coming week, the office and Melissa are closed. This is a great opportunity for our pastors and staff to take some time off from a busy month. Your staff will be returning into the office on Tuesday, January 4th. All right, church family, that's all I've got for you. Have a safe and happy new year. And don't forget... Make sure you grab yourself a bulletin, read it left to right, front to back for more events and more information. All
1: right. Love you guys. Have a
0: great week.